Follow-up is key to success in this business. Wholesaling, you have to follow up with your leads. Did you know that 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect? 25% of salespeople make the second contact and stop. 12% of salespeople make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Here's where it gets really interesting, guys. 2% of sales are made on the first contact. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. 5% of sales are made on the third contact. 10% of sales are made on the fourth contact. And here's the powerhouse. 80% of sales are made on the fifth through twelfth contact. What does that mean for you? It means you need to follow up with your leads. You need to set your follow-up on autopilot by using a CRM. Visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM to learn more about the CRM that the discount property investors are using in their business. You can follow up with text, email, voicemails, all automatically. Get to the 5th and 12th contact faster and close more deals. Again, visit dpipodcast.com forward slash CRM. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth. All right, guys, welcome back to the Discount Property Investors. Your hosts, David Dodge and Mike Slane. Hey, Mike. Hey, Dave. How are you, man? Good I'm morning. I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good, good. So today we have a special guest, Mr. Alvin Johnson. He's a personal friend of mine. I met Alvin uh, last February, so about uh, nine, 10 months ago, down in Tulum, Mexico, at a mastermind. And Alvin is doing some really, really, really cool and creative and interesting things with real estate. So as you know, Mike and I were the discount property investors. We love wholesaling and teaching people how to buy properties at a discount. We should know by now, if you followed us or you know, listened and watched, that you make your money when you buy. You get paid when you sell. So being having the ability or the knowledge to find these deals at a discount um, is really the foundation. It's the building blocks of all things real estate investing. So wholesale to us is a means to an end. We love it. We're passionate about it. But it's also a means to an end to be able to get that you know really, really good deal on our next flip project or a great deal so we can add to our rental portfolio using the Burr strategy, which Mike and I have done a lot of episodes previously about the strategy, um, and so on and so forth. But again, we really are excited. Alvin, welcome to the show. How are you, my man? Hey, man, I'm doing great. Mike, David, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, it's an thank amazing you. day today. Uh, I'm sitting here looking out my office window. It's raining here in Dallas. and. Uh, just an amazing weekend, man, isn't it? It, it absolutely, man. We're, I'm, we're excited. I'm going to the Cardinals game tonight. Got a three-day weekend coming up. This is really cool. So, um, 
Alvin, let's jump in. All right. So let's, let's jump in. So when I met you down in Tulum, I was just really, really impressed with some of the things that you were doing. And that's some of the things I want to talk about today with, you know, on this podcast so we can enlighten some people and really just kind of open some people's minds to yeah. some of the possibilities that are out there, you know, in the real estate space. So uh, Mike and I primarily focus on single family rentals. We do have a couple multis. Um, we have a 10 family. We have a four family, a couple four families, and then probably six or eight duplexes. So we're just getting started to kind of move into that space. The majority of the deals that we do or the holdings that we have, which as of today was 49 rental properties mm -hmm. uh, rented and online, um, our goal is 150. But again, I'm really happy excuse me, to have you on to learn some, some more about some of these multifamily things. So if you don't mind, tell us, uh, let's start with two things. One, how did you get started in real estate? And then two, why multifamily? What's, what's the reason that you are kind of primarily focused on that? Okay. A couple of things, David. I got started in real estate as a painter's helper right out of high school. So a Painter's helper. No painter's shit. Helper. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if I had a choice or not. <laughs> but, right. But I had to eat. So I learned and I mastered that craft of painting, which taught me how to finish. Because if you can go and take a, a raggedy building and put some texture and paint it, put some baseboard on it, guess what? You know how to finish really well. And I think anything that we start, you really have to have the end goal or picture in mind so that you can navigate your way towards finishing. So that's gave, that's what gave me my start in this. And I think the reason multifamily, uh, Mike and David, has been, it's kind of evolved. But I'll tell you, I was in a seminar yesterday and people asked, well, what's your why? What's your why? Well, a lot of us have, we all got a story. And my why is really, I just want to help the next guy. So I'm big on empowering other people to go and be their best. So we have an opportunity to do that through our multifamily uh, properties because we actually serve a popular, uh, the underserved population is a population of people that we serve. So we buy apartments and we lease them to the economically disadvantaged or economically challenged. And we give them a place where they get to stay instead of a place where they have to stay. So okay. that, that's, that's are you primarily working or, or basically are you only working with the underprivileged essentially or, or is that just a primary business? Not necessarily. So when I say that, you know, we operate under a nonprofit umbrella. But when I say underserved market, it, it is a, a lot of tenants have Section 8 vouchers. A lot of them have governmental assistance. But it's also your McDonald's manager that makes third. Well, maybe not McDonald's manager, but maybe your guy that's a manager at a store and he makes forty thousand dollars a year, but he can't afford to pay fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred dollars a month rent. Right. He actually has a great job, but man, I mean, he's he's paycheck to paycheck. So in our communities, we have a lot of teachers that make fifty thousand a year, but they've got three kids and they can't afford to pay eighteen hundred dollars a month rent. So our right. apartments. We buy them right, so we make money when we buy them, and then we renovate them and put millions of dollars in them and give them a place that I'm proud to say we own and a place that I would live in and be proud to say that I lived in. And so now our rents are not the $1,500 mark. We may have a three-bedroom unit at $1,050 versus $1,500. So, and, and that's the underserved population that a lot of people are not focusing on because it's all about yeah, driving. So is, I, I, need to, I need to correct what I said. You, you, you said underserved, whereas I use the terminology 
you know, underprivileged, which is wrong. So I need to, I need to, to correct that. And I apologize. Well, I said that. I said economically, okay. economically disadvantaged. disadvantaged. So okay, that's a better way to terminology. That's way better terminology. I love that. I just got very excited, Alvin, because this, this is, is going to be a good show. Well, this I told is you. something that is my long-term plan. I wanted to, but again, this is selfish. Is I wanted to take care of me and mine first. I wanted to make a big old nest egg, have a whole bunch of apartments, and then I wanted to do the. I don't look at that as being selfish, though, because of the it's fact right. it's hard to help people when you're not. Whenever you haven't already helped sure. yourself. But I'm saying, I mean, again, and I know it, I'm okay with capitalism. Greed is good. You know, greed is good, baby. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. What I'm saying is, like, that's my future. I want to do something like this, like you're doing, Alvin. So this is very, very interesting. Yeah, this is going to be great. Absolutely. Well, you know, Zig Ziglar said it's easy for you to make your dreams come true if you're helping other people make theirs come true. Mm, And there's so many people that really just wish they had a great place to live where they're not shooting in the parking lot and gangbanging out in outside the door of my apartment right and so work really hard to provide those environments in those neighborhoods so before we jump in and get too granular with you know what you do and how it works and how you're helping people um tell us a little bit about how long you've been doing the multifamily investing for because again you had mentioned that you've been doing real estate for a while you started out as a painter's assistant and man you've come a far away which is just awesome that's That's phenomenal would love that that's a great story um, but tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the current things that you're working on and then we'll jump into like how these, how it works and why you can, you know, why you should be doing it this way. Sounds good. Um, so I'm the particular company that I'm president of today. I've been president since January, 2011. Okay. I've been, I've been involved in multifamily since 2009. So about 10 years okay. prior to multifamily, I've owned two mortgage companies, did really well in that and lost my shirt a couple of times, you know, did good, lost it, did good, lost it. Um, so, and then prior to that, I did about a hundred or so flips uh, that I personally bought with hard money. Fix and, fl- fix and flip fix, flips. Fix and flips. Yep. yep. Fix and flips. And I did that before the mortgage company and after having it. And prior to that, it was just contracting for other people. So, you know, I would help people get their house fixed up by being a contractor or a GC. And then you back all the way up to my days of starting as a painter's helper, and that's and that was the beginning of it. Sweet, so you've done a lot of a lot of things in in real estate. It seems to me like you were just kind of trying to find your stride, man. Man, I was just trying to eat. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. But since two thousand nine, you've really taken off, which is which is awesome. So let's let's talk about that. What okay. was the reason back in two thousand nine when you decided that this is what I want to do? What what was the motivating factor that kind of pushed you in that direction? Great question. And this is going to be great for your audience because your audience is engaged with you because of the information that you're providing to them, right? They're engaged with you because you're acting in the capacity of a mentor. Well, I needed a mentor. And the only way that I could get a mentor was to go and serve somebody else that was doing what I wanted to do. Love that. I was 40 some odd years old. I'm not going to tell you my age, but I was 40-some-odd years old. 40-something today. So that's good. Appreciate right. you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Ten years ago, and this guy has 16,000 apartments uh, in nine states, and I went to go serve him. I told him, man, if you'll let me in the room, I'll sharpen your pencils, shine your shoes, whatever I can do. I just need to be in that room. So I got to stop you right there. If you are listening to this podcast, if you are watching this episode online, that alone is a super valuable lesson, guys. Yes. 
Go work for free. Put yourself out there. You're never too young or too old in real estate. That's the beautiful thing about real estate. Yes. And if you can offer to help somebody in exchange for education, learning, mentorship, that is the best thing you can possibly do. You can always go hire these people, but I personally am like Alvin. I would rather just go work for free and run errands and just do what I need to do to earn that person's respect so they'll want to tra train me versus them have to have that mindset of, oh, he's paid me, so now I have to train them. So Alvin, sorry to interrupt, but guys, if you're not taking notes on this, you gotta be. Go ahead, Alvin, thank you. No, no problem. So that that's how I got started. And it started out as a 30-day deal. He put me up for 30 days. Well, he didn't know that when I showed up with the biggest suitcase that I had, it was pretty much all of my suits and all the clothes. My life had fallen apart and I'd almost gotten thrown out of my house by my wife at that time. And so I didn't have nothing to lose, but I really went with a heart of serving somebody else. That 30 days, David, turned into 13 months. That 13 months led when he died. This guy, listen how this happened. I showed up as a volunteer. This guy has 16,000 apartments in nine states. He gave me full access to Hold everybody on, 16, in the company. 16,000 or 1,600? Either, either of those is large. 1,000. Damn, that's big. Big. Wow. And so for me to get his attention, first of all, was a big deal. And I'll, I'll go back. Let me back up a little bit yeah, to some sure. tenacity principles. I met this guy in the summer of 2007, and he told me he would help me. I reached out to him three times by phone. He answered my call, and after the third time, he quit answering my call. I called him, texted him, emailed him every week for almost a year without fail. After persistence, that baby. Period, persistence. Persistence, one day he picked the phone up, March 1st and said, Alvin, I am so tired of you calling me. He knew who I was, so obviously my name was Oh, he had it saved, right. And he said, if you want to know what I do, you get down here to Amarillo, Texas. I've never known anybody with, that would just say they want it, but then do what you've done to get it. So I showed up, big suitcase. It I'm was here. here for 30 days, and that 30 days led to 13 months. Here's the kicker. That's After cool. 13 months, he had given me full access and I sat there and I read partnership agreement after partnership agreement. I didn't understand why I was reading it, but I, I became a student. And well, after 90 days, he started giving me a pay. So I have, obviously I, I had added a little value sure. to where he wanted to keep me around. But after 13 months, he died in a car wreck. Oof, I became the president of a billion dollar company Oof. in 13 months because I asserted myself as being a, being a student. You led by serving, which is the, the, the coolest thing ever. I love that. The first job I ever had out of college, I wanted it so bad that I said, you don't have to pay me. And then the same scenario, right. after about a month and a half, they were like, well, you're too valuable to, to, to leave at this point. So right. we're going <laughs> to just start paying you. And I was that's like, right. oh, that's great. I mean, that's if you want something bad enough, guys, sometimes you have to sacrifice a little to get it. But look what look where we're at now. That's you know, right. Boom. So you're about to go up. That's great. Very cool. So 13 months later, a tragedy happened. You know, sorry to hear about that. He was he was uh, he lost his life in a car accident, and then you became the president. Wow, what a story. That's so, really so here I am, the president of a billion dollar company. Now there was a caveat to that. It was 
the company was in a bankruptcy. I knew that, uh, but that was another opportunity. But it was a Chapter 11 liquidating bankruptcy, and those two almost don't go together, but the purpose was to restructure the debt and then liquidate the assets. So I went through that process with walking through a bankruptcy with the smartest attorneys on the planet. Um, a billion-dollar company uh, had about 180 entities that owned 66 complexes in nine states. So you can think of all the governmental regulations and everything that went with all of that. A lot of it was affordable housing. That's a lot of mail. Oh, my God. We had to hire somebody just we to open a lot of mail with, with mail. 65, 70 properties. I can't even imagine. Oh, I mean, it came in banker boxes every day. Every day. <laughs> and I, I hate the mailman. Yes. <laughs> it's all bills, right? It's all bills. <laughs> but, um, but I learned this business that way. Okay. So after that bankruptcy plan was over with, I got fired. And, of course, you know, don't need a president when the bankruptcy plan because that's the plan. So whatever I thought didn't matter, and I got fired. And fortunately, I had made some great relationships to where the young, the man that died, his son-in-law said, Alvin, here's a company, doesn't have any money, it's got 10,000 bucks in the bank, but it's got a resume. Maybe if anybody can do something with it, you can. So uh, I told him, great, it's got 10 grand, go buy me a server from Dell. This is what I want. And he looked at me and said, you don't have a job, you don't have any money, I'm giving you a company with $10,000, and you're going to go buy a computer. I said, well, if I'm going to go buy some apartments, I have to have a place to store my data. Right. And so we use that computer. I'm good. Right. Sorry about that. Um, and so we use that computer for about seven years, and it served us well. Today, we've got 1,400 apartments. We've got another 1,000 units in escrow that should close on September 23rd. We've got a development of this is something new that I've never done before, but uh, we've got a development of 360 houses that we're going to build new construction uh, out of the ground. 300. So you're developing a whole neighborhood essentially. We're developing a whole nother, a whole neighborhood uh, from the utility streets and everything, and I'm doing that with one of our multiplier partners, John Spears. Mm -hmm. So he's going to be a part of that, and uh, so you talk about relationships. That, that another good topic for your for your for your audience because you will never do anything great by yourself. So I the power totally of partnership, agree. and you guys are sitting there as partners, so you understand the power. You already of know the yeah. game, man. That's what's up. Yeah. So so Mike and I, we have a goal to get to a hundred and sing, hundred and fifty singles. Yep. We just started like ten months ago, and the goal is to get to all one hundred and fifty um, by the end of twenty twenty. Great. So, we got a ways to go, but uh, again, you couldn't do that by yourself. You got to so have a funny. team. What's so funny is like, that's such a big goal for us. And all of our listeners like to own 150 rentals. It's like, wow. But then we're sitting here talking to Alvin and he's like, 16, oh, we own 1,600. Right. And that's what I'm We've saying. Got, it's like, it's, it's so crazy. I love it. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity, Alvin. Uh, so well, thank you for, for spending a time, some time with us today. Well, man, it's my pleasure. Our goal is 20,000 units. Uh, we want to do twenty. We want to do two thousand units a year, but again, I can't do it by myself. Crazy. It's all, it's all in partnerships. It's all about the syndication piece that we just talked about, mm -hmm. right? So, um, if I can show, so I've been hidden for a long time. I've never done podcasts before, never done any public speaking because I have been on the back side of the mountain, really perfecting our craft, sure. putting together a good foundation of a company. 
and I'm starting to come out and make myself a little more visible now because we've done it. We've proven our model. We've yielded our investors over 62% uh, ROI wow. within three to four years of investing with us. And it's just absolutely amazing the opportunities that a dude that barely finished high school, me, um, could be in a position today to have 50 employees, 100 subcontractors working for us, uh, 1,400 families living under our roofs with a goal of 20,000 units. It's just, just as you said, there's, you're never too old to do this. You're never too old to learn. and Or young. You know, if you're listening and you're 14, 15 years old, there's no reason you can't start wholesaling deals tomorrow. Right now. Saving cash. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So Alvin, uh, we're going to pivot for, for one second. So your company is Hope Housing Foundation, right? Yes, sir. Yes. And, um, so tell me a little bit about the company real quick, and then we're going to dive into the meat and potatoes and talk about you know, what you actually do day to day and how it all works. Okay. Uh, Hope Housing Foundation is a 20-year-old organization. Uh, I took over 10 years ago. Um, it was initially set up as a support organization, as a profit center for another, for the other nonprofit. Okay. So when you got 16,000 apartments, you got a fire going on somewhere, you've got a tornado that just hit, you've got something. So this company was actually set up to manage those construction projects as a nonprofit to save on sales tax dollars for the original developer. Got it. And so that's how that's they ran. It in itself, just right it there, is. which is cool. Yeah. I mean, you save 9% on all your, on all of your projects, that's huge. That's huge. Hell so yeah. then, so that's how this company had a resume of doing multifamily deals through all of the repair projects that it had done for the other organization. The last 10 years when we took over, I didn't want it to be a construction company. We wanted to go back to the original mission of providing the safe, decent, sanitary housing. Sure. So that was, the, that was the path we took and said, okay, we're going to buy some apartments. Now, how are we going to do that? I don't have any money. I don't have any relationships, but I got a Rolodex and I'm going to figure it out. And here we are 10 years later, 10 years. That's a long time. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how Mike and I were with wholesaling and just all things real estate. We, you know, I've hired lots of coaches over the years, but at the end of the day, I still got to figure out what they're teaching me. That's right. I got to just figure it out. So man, I, I can relate. I think that's yeah. really cool. Really cool. Um, so that's the hope housing foundation. And you've been a part of that for about 10 years. They've been around for 20. Correct. And, and when you took it over, you kind of pivoted a little bit, which is great. I love that. Um, so let's jump into um, some of the meat and potatoes, if, if that's okay with you. And Absolutely. if you have anything that you want to throw out at any time, or if you have any questions for us, you know, please ask. Um, but I'm just intrigued. So okay. it seems to me like you guys are syndicating a lot of the money to do these deals, which I think is awesome. Yes. Let's, let's start at the very beginning. In order to do one of these deals, you got to find the deal. Right? You can't pay retail for anything in real estate if you want to make money on it, right? That's right. Unless the value add play is just ridiculous. But 99.999% of the time, you got to buy at a discount. Hence our podcast and our brand, Discount Property Investor. We always buy at a discount. And the reason is, is you make your money when you buy, you get paid when you sell. So you're getting deals on multis. Let's start there. How right. in the hell would I go about getting a deal on a multi? Well, I'll tell you, I started with a deal that nobody else wanted. So as you're as you're, even your wholesale guys, your guys that are wanting to do fix and flips, don't have any money, 
Maybe they can talk their way into saying they've got some experience, but the, the path of least resistance was the one that nobody else wanted. Okay. So I found a deal and I just drove. I mean, I drive properties every day, every weekend. I always have, that's, you know, what do you do for fun? Oh, I go look at real estate. That's what I do. Okay. Me too. <laughs> so, so right. I'll see a rundown house and go, man, look what that could be. You know, I right. just, so you get it, right? Or, or I drive around and look at the big, big mansions and say, how quickly am I going to get to this, right? That's right, right, right. So I used, I used, I've used brokers, believe it or not, um, guys that own real estate that don't want it anymore. You know, we've got data today like Reonomy and, and CoStar and all of these deals that you can filter your searches to properties that are built 40 years ago that haven't had a capital uh, a capital item like a sale or a refinance happened in the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. Those are the guys that are either motivated to sell or those are the guys that don't know what to do. They may have inherited the deal, right? Right. right. Another way that to find these deals is to go to your city uh, records yeah. because if they have, if those properties have been a nuisance or if they have open cases of, um, rotten roofs or broken windows or something like that. The cities write those owner citations and that's a matter of public record. That's yeah. a great source. And I've never done that. Man, this is just coming out as we're talking. Sure, sure. That is a great source of finding properties that have either been abandoned or in deep need of repair. Right. So then you find so that guy. So it's basically pretty similar to what, to what we do. Um, so what, same thing, right? So when we target a motivated seller, you know, we're looking for any reason that they'd be motivated. So obviously there's two categories that I like to say that I can put all of the motivated sellers in. One, they're distressed. Yep. Two, the property is distressed. And you know, the third category would be a combination of both. Not only they're distressed, but the property's distressed. And those are the best ones because you can get the best prices and it's still a win-win. You're helping solve their problem. So I would imagine that it's very similar in, 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 in the aspect of the multis. Is that right? There, there is nothing different about multi versus single. It's just, it's just more doors with more, another person. More right. doors, more keys, and more zeros. That's it. Love it. Man, that's a great way to, to, to describe it. More doors, more keys, and more zeros. And that is exactly right. I love that's it. it. Okay. Cool. So with that same approach, when you find that motivated seller, then that's where your that's where your expertise kicks in. You have to be make a relationship with this guy, and you may not have the ability to close it. You may not have the money to close it. I can tell you, there's never been a deal that we've bought where we already had the money in the bank. Never. Say that again. There's never been a deal that you bought basically at the time of making the offer that you had the cash in the bank. Never. Love it. Never. So Mike and I, we use the burst strategy. So it's very, I would imagine it's, it's probably not the same exact um, found, you know, like progress, but it's similar though. So when we buy houses to flip uh, or to add to the portfolio, we use private lenders and hard money lenders yep. and refinance our money out. So it's similar in that aspect. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Deal. Exactly. I'll find a deal. And if you're gracious enough to let me negotiate a good letter of intent, that I can get, hey, I, I need a 45-day due diligence period. Within that 45 days, I can, I can walk a property in, in a few hours and tell you what I need to change to get it up to par, right? Mm -hmm. 
So then my next 44 days are spent looking for who's got my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, who's got my money? I love it. Hell so, yeah. Hell so, yeah. So the so, process in finding the deals are really pretty similar. Um, all, the same. all the same. So right now, you're finding a lot of your deals through brokers. Is that right? I am. And it's you're only start branching because, out into doing a little bit more direct to seller, it sounds like too. But as of today, the majority of these are from brokers. And that's great. Nothing wrong with that. It's, it works. It, it works. Right. It, could, it could only just get better if I were direct to the direct to the seller, right? Or right. if I built a platform big enough to where the seller came looking for me. Absolutely. And that's right. that would be the goal. So Mike and I is the same way. You know, we we will get a deal off the MLS and it's a little different with it being, you know, residential versus these bigger commercial type buildings, but there's still a system, right? So we that's get right. the MLS. Now, it's harder for us to find the the motivated seller on the MLS, but I want to emphasize harder. We still get them all that's the time. Right. But when we go direct, we, we tend to get a little bit better deal because we're not paying a middleman. And, and really, that's what I look at as the whole agency thing is they're just kind of a middleman. They're helping, of course, but, you know, it's just more money we got to we got to rake out. So so the aspects are, are, are you know, the, the 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 way in which you're locating these properties is really simple. You're, you're, you're trying to target motivation and you're leveraging the relationships of these agents and brokers to help find those for you. So that that's great. Awesome. That's awesome. So let's talk about what you're looking for and also where at, if you don't mind, okay. maybe mingle those together. And you're, you're in Dallas. You had mentioned that earlier and I knew that, um, but you're not buying in like, you know, uh, North Dakota, right? Well, North Dakota's a stretch, but if the deal were right, I'd go to North Dakota. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Good We're to know. not geographically challenged. Sure. Okay. That's, and that was a, that's a good question. I'm glad I, I asked that. I can get anywhere from Dallas in two or three hours. Right. And, and we're about to buy a jet probably in January. Damn, we gotta get a jet, Mike. Oh man, you just Shit. you just really stroked his Woo! jealousy. I'm a private right pilot, and I got about 400 hours of private time. So I, I oh really? Yeah, I love. Oh man, it. this is gonna be great. But I'm serious. And now I say I'm gonna get a jet. I don't have the money for a jet. Right. But I know. But I know they finance them. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And I know because they finance them. I've worked really hard to protect my credit. Right. But I know that if I can do that, and if I can get my team on the ground to to find these, to, to look at these deals and do the due diligence. And if I can get home and get to where I need to be in front of the guy who's got my money faster, guess what? We can close more deals. We so that general paper done. is done. I sound like somebody else you've listened to, don't I? Absolutely you do. <laughs> Absolutely you do. I was just watching one of his videos the other day, Grant Cardone, mm -hmm. I'm assuming. Absolutely. And he was like, man, this jet, this only reason I have this thing is so I can get to the deal faster. He's like, of course we use it for travel. Of right. course I use it for social media. But it ain't for none of that. It's to get to the deal faster. And I was like, man, mind blown. Very, yeah. very cool. So yeah. Alvin, tell us what you're looking for. So we all know there's a lot of multifamilies out there, you know, and I'm sure you get people sending you deals all day long. What is it that you see in a deal that makes it interesting for you? Is it location? Is it quality? Is it distance to your home? Is it number of units or is it all of these things? Um, I'll tell you there are two things that are automatic for me. The first thing is it has to be at least 100 units. Why do I say 100 units? That's cool. Um, that is about the threshold for that property to support a full manager and a full maintenance person. 
We typically do full-time on-site. Got it. That's correct. Uh, Typically, the rule of thumb is one person inside and one person outside per 100 units. Okay. If it's a tougher neighborhood or a tougher, uh, older project, you may take that down to 75 units. So for every 75 units, you've got one and one. Okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing I look at is the in-place cap rate. If you send me a deal today that's got an in-place cap rate, and I'll explain that for the guys that don't understand cap rate, but if it's got a 9.5% in-place cap rate, I almost don't care what it looks like. I'm going to – I'm interested. Right. Nine and a half or above? Yes. Okay. So cap rate for the audience, Dave, is your – all of your income minus your expenses before debt, service, and taxes is your net operating income. You take that net operating income and divide that by a nine and a half cap rate, and that'll give you a value. So let me give you some round numbers. Let's just say that you found a property that's got a $100,000 a year net operating income. If I divide that by 0.095, which is a nine and a half cap rate, that's going to give me a value of $1,052,000. Okay? Yeah. The thought process is to buy that property at a million bucks and turn that property around to where I can get a six and a half cap rate, which is what most appraisers use for valuation. Now, so is, that, that, is that basically a standard, a six and a half, like, uh, like if you, you know, in a countrywide standard, essentially? Because I would imagine each market's going to be a little different. It's a different. Sure. Uh, Florida, right now, you can't buy a property in Florida for less than a five cap. I mean, five or below is where it is. It's where, that's what they're going for. That's, that's just what they're going. And there's some drivers to that. Um, and I'll tell you a couple of the big drivers that do that. In Florida, a lot of your rental properties in apartments, your, land, your tenants pay the trash and they pay for water consumption for their unit. So they're taking that $200,000 expense for water and sewer oh. and that $100,000 expense from trash and they're building it back to all the units. Got it. So, when you so, got so they can afford to charge a little bit less of a rate because they're having less risk and less expense, so on and so forth. Well, that that the lower the cap rate, the higher the value. Okay. The higher the value. Okay, yeah. I see. Okay. So with a nine and a half cap rate, that hundred thousand dollars is a million dollars in value, but at a six and a half cap rate, that same deal is worth a million five. Wow. See the difference in the cap, just the cap rate. Right. So the lower the cap, the higher the value. So I want to buy at a high cap. A high cap rate. Because my value is low so that after we do all of our mm-hmm. upgrades and all of all of our upgrades and all of our uh, improvements and raising and stabilizing of rents, my cap rate goes down, but my value goes up like a seesaw. Got it. Okay. So that makes okay. sense. So what are you looking for, though, like um, in terms of like area? So you said a minimum of 100 because of the on-site management um, and maintenance, which I love that. I totally am on board, and I, and I understand why. If you, yes. got, you know, if you got somebody that's bouncing around, it's inefficient, um, things will get overlooked, and the, it just, it's just not great. So we love right. that. Now, in terms of like um, – location does that affect you does it matter now i meant you had mentioned from the get-go that you are working with 
I think the best way to describe it would be like underprivileged, you know, just everyday people that don't make a lot, but you know, let's, people. Let's um, call it underserved. You can't yeah. Be in like the city center, right? You're not going to be able to necessarily be in the A neighborhoods. No. Uh, maybe B, B and C's though. Well, I've worked our way into B, B minus neighborhoods. Yeah. When my first deal was right across the street from two cemeteries. Yeah. Uh, at the at the farthest south point in that city you could get to. But guess what? When I bought it, it was 110 single family homes operated as an apartment complex. So the mm -hmm. D was one 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 legal description, and they built it as an apartment community. Okay. Oh, wow. That's interesting. The rents were 390 bucks and it was 98% per, per house. Three bedroom, one bath house. For 400, 390 a month? Yes. And that was six years ago. Wow. For the, our average three bedroom, one bath here in St. Louis that we have in our portfolio, now obviously it's going to vary mm -hmm. on all you know, but what's our average, Mike? Nine fifty, a thousand, yeah, about a thousand bucks, about a thousand bucks, and you were you got, and those people were only bringing in three ninety. So, so just right there, folks, if you're listening, you're watching, that should you should have some bells going off, right? Like value add. You know, the market rents were probably lower, or these rents were probably lower than the market rents. But then, as you start improving the, these properties, which you can do a lot of ways, and I'm sure Alvin has a wealth of information about that um, value add. So man, How you at? love that. How you at? So I talked to uh, an institutional owner that saw there was a liability for them. So you, you're solving their problem. And they want all they wanted was out of the trap. So they sold me that deal for a million dollars, but they didn't sell it to me right away. They said, we'll give you a 1.01% GP ownership, which means we're going to give you one year to prove that you can do this because nobody else wanted it. Right. They gave me the controlling interest, but it was only 0 0.01, which means I didn't make a penny. But I had an opportunity to start a management company from that one deal. Mm -hmm. so we made a little bit through a management fee. Mm -hmm. But they gave me a year to do it. And when they gave me a year to do it, so that's what the LOI or the contract does. You, you set your parameters on when you can close, when you can cash them out, the whole nine yards. So that expectation was set on both ends. And then I had to go find a guy to give me a million dollars to pay off that and $400,000 to repair as much as I could just to start raising the rents. So I shopped around for anybody that had a million four that said, a hundred houses, a million four, how can I go wrong? Right. Yeah. So, and it, if I but, had a million four liquid right now, which, you know, I would, I would jump all over that deal. A right. hundred houses. Right. That's insane. If you're talking, what's that? Um, 10,000 less a house. Yeah. 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 Less, yeah. 11 something. I mean, doing house. the plumbing in the HVAC alone is going to be 15 grand. Right. So it was occupied, fully occupied, wasn't making any money. But when we got the 400,000, we immediately painted the outsides. We immediately patched the roofs or replaced roofs that were bad on those houses. We made sure all the air conditioners worked. We went in and put in some new appliances and some just to let them. And we just started cutting the grass because when I went there the first time, the grass was six feet high. Holy cow. You lose a kid off of the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where did that kid go? Oh, man. Oh, here he is over there playing hide and seek. Yeah, right. <laughs> wow. But we just started doing things like that to let them know that, hey, there's a new owner and we care. Got We're it. not going to come in and raise the rents to $800 tonight, but we care. 
And so little by little, as the people started renewing their leases, we went from 390 to 450. And then the, and on the new move-ins, because we had an opportunity to make those look a little better, we went straight to 450. So we didn't displace anybody. And we went from 450 to we went to 495. And then from 495, we went to 550. And right now, after six years, the new move-ins are paying 745, but the people that have been there the whole time are only paying still about 650 to 695. And we still got another 150 bucks or so to go. But our income on that deal went from $29,000 a month to up over $77,000 a month today. Our NOI, and now let me tell you the beauty of this. You talk about making money when you buy. We bought that deal for a million four. Three years later, we refinanced it for 3.9 million. I paid off my million four. We stacked money in a repair replacement reserve account. And me and my partners drove home, drug a million dollars out of the deal. That's awesome. How cool is that, man? Awesome. Woo! God damn, I love it. That's a deal right there. And that's how you get your jet. And that's yeah, that's how you get, that's how you get your jet. <laughs> Just add a few more keys and a few more zeros. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I love it, man. That's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so you, again, you make your money when you buy, guys. So, yeah. Alvin, he came across a deal that nobody wanted, too. So, you know, this wasn't like it was handed to him on a silver platter. No. He saw something in it that everybody else didn't see. It wasn't just some people didn't see it. I mean, I'm sure this was probably listed a listed deal. It wasn't listed. It was one of those distressed deals. So everybody was looking at this, or everybody had the ability to at least see it. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. You saw something that they didn't see. You borrowed a million plus 400 to fix them up. You slowly started raising the rents, but I like how you didn't just come in and be like, boom, everyone that's month to month rents go up. Like you made improvements, you showed people that you cared, which right. is so important in this business. I mean, Real estate's a people business. It is. You know, like you're buying and selling, you know, property, but that's the, that's the product. The business is with people, right? That's right. And um, so you made improvements. You started um, raising the rents as these became available or slowly crept it up with the people in a manner to keep them around. But, but also, right. you know, not, not uh, have a bunch of vacancies. So you did everything right, obviously. That's why we're talking today. Um, but I love the fact that, you know, that you guys took the passion um, to not just go in and kick everybody out. You, you did it in a manner that was like, hey, we realized that the last guy was just badly managing this. So we're going to do everything that we can to turn this around. And we appreciate you guys sticking through this. Please stick around as well. And we're going to make it better for everybody. So that's, man, that's cool. Well, that's the, that's the people side of it, guys. You know, when you, we own real estate. And where do most people have their problems? At home. At home. So, right. so guess what? We inherit a lot of that. So when they know that they live in a place where an owner cares about them, they'll pay a little bit more. That's how they build community. That's yeah. how you foster community. That's how you get neighbors to care about each other because now they got something positive to talk about and they start coming out and meeting the people that, I've lived next to them for two and three years that they've never seen before. Love it. That's how Something we just came to my mind. So you had said in the example earlier, and obviously every deal is going to be different guys. Every deal is different for me. So right. I know for a fact, every deal is going to be different for Alvin as well. 
But right. you said in an example earlier, like, oh, we put out an, put out an LOI, which stands for letter of intent, if you aren't aware. And, you know, we would need 45 days. Alvin said that you could go basically look at the property in one, and then the other 44 days are, you know, where is the money? Where's my money at? So in that one day, can you walk us through what you would do? And now, obviously, this is just a hypothetical question, but, you know, on average, like, you know, typically, what, what does that day look like? What are you looking for? When I show up, the first thing that I look for are the roofs, condition of the roofs. I look at the age of the HVAC units, air conditioners, uh, and I look at the foundations to see if I see any um, straight up settlement, yeah, cracks in, in, the, in the brick or structure. So those are your major things. And then when I go in, I used to look at all the- I, tour? I like, used, Let's say it's 100 units. Are you in like 30 of them or three of them? I usually look at all the vacants, yeah. any units that they consider down, which are beyond vacant, which are, you know, like total, total might be gutted. Or might they have might, they may be on like the list of like, we're going to get to these basically, but we got turns in the, in the meantime type of thing. Yeah. Okay. Like it might've had a kitchen fire and that one's sure. not a quick fix. So it's going to take a minute to get it back. Right. So I look at those and then if they show me some occupied units, fine. But I can tell enough from the mechanicals of the hot water heaters, the age of those, the AC units, the roofs, and the windows. Those are my major components. So the big thing. I used to look at the light fixtures and doorknobs and stuff like that. Now, I know that when we buy this, we're going to change all of that and anyway. all the interiors anyway. So I'm looking at the age of the appliances and the major components. Got it. Yeah, that's about it. Got but it. I look for little things too, David. So like, I look for your plumbing clean out. Yeah, yeah, like the condition off? of the parking lot, stuff like yes. that. Mm -hmm. Are those clean outs off of those buildings? If they are, then that means they've probably been having to snake those out quite a bit. So I'm looking, is this cast iron plumbing or is it PVC? Right. Because if you've got a 40, 45-year-old property with a lot of trees, they might be having major plumbing issues yep. that you can't see. So I'm just taking note of that so that I know if i got to replace plumbing under this building, it might cost me fifteen grand per building. Sure. So I'm just blogging that in the back of the head right okay so you're looking at the big things though on you know on average you're looking at the roofs yes. looking at the windows you're looking at the mechanicals um you're not nitpicking about you know mm. paint colors you're not nit nitpicking about carpet being dirty i mean ideally if it's a trashy looking unit that's you know that anyway right absolutely right. i mean you kind of are looking for that in, in right. a sense. yes um, awesome so you you find these deals we talked about that we talked about what you're looking for whenever you, you know, send out those LOIs. Let's talk about the next 44 days. What okay. do you do? Man, I, um, for CPAs, we all have relationships, right? So you guys know, you know, you know, CPAs that, that manage guys' money. That's a great uh, tip, by the way. CPAs, uh, man, they, right. they, they're dealing with it already. They're dealing with a guy that, that made $50,000 too much this year, and he may be looking for a place to park some money for a year or two. Right. Uh, CPA, my attorneys, uh, do they have any friends that want to do this? I reach out to other real estate investors. Hey, man, or, hey, you want to help me raise a million dollars and let's partner on this deal. Right. We do, we do a lot of the legwork, total transparency. All of our books are open. We filed 990s. You can log on right now and see what our tax returns were for the last 10 years, right? We've got nothing to hide. So when I right. present that type of transparency to a partnership, then all the guards go down. But I'm really talking to any and everybody that I can or that I know that who's got my money, 
<laughs> man, I love it. So, but it's not about it, my money because I'm actually bringing you something that you've been looking for. You just didn't know I had it. Absolutely. And that's the beautiful thing about raising money for these type of deals right. is you're offering most likely a better rate of return than, they're, than the people are going to be getting at any bank. We can guarantee that, right? The stock market, yeah, you can make good returns, but you can also lose. I mean, every investment has risk. We get that. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. You know, people, a lot, of, a lot of times people don't know that there's these options out there. That's right. Um, which is cool. And that's, and all of our hard money, or I should say private money lenders that we work with now, um, it's excess cash for them. Some of them are real estate investors. Some of them aren't. Right. But they know that whenever they come to me, we're going to pay them 10 or 12% on their money. Yep. And it's backed by a real asset. So yeah, you got a lot of things that come into play. I guess the next question that I have is, um, are you typically taking, you know, 20, 50, 100 from multiple people and then putting it in a, in a, in a bundle together? Or is it more along the lines of I'm looking for three guys with 100,000 each? Does it matter? It doesn't matter. Um, typically, when we do a syndication like that, if I don't have one guy that's got two million that, that wants to park it, we'll sell units at about fifty thousand dollars a piece. Got it. So okay. we've got accredited investors. We could lower that. I've got one deal's got twenty-four partners in it, uh, and each of them bought fifty thousand dollar units. So you got one guy that says, "Yeah, man, I'll dip my toe in. I'll buy one." Mm -hmm. And then you've got some guys that have done this with us before, and they bought ten. Right. So, um, oh, yeah, so the follow-up question to that is. Is they're not getting any ownership though, or are they? I guess every deal is a little different, so it depends on how you structure it. How do you prefer? That's a better way to ask that question. How do you prefer to structure this with these lenders? Are they equity shareholders, or is it a debt, is it a debt play? We do both. Okay. So the one that with the 24 partners, we Smarter put together. than I look, Alvin. I know a little I bit. Oh, you are. No, you, you got this. <laughs> That's right. We put together a limited partnership. So we had the 1% GP that was managed by our foundation. Okay. And then we have your limited partner, you've got your special limited partner, and you've got your special investor limited partner. Now, what are the three categories? I'm the limited partner, so we've got an interest in it. So I'm the working guy. We're going to get the work done. Mm -hmm. Then you've got your special limited partner that put in cash. So and then you've got partner, your special you've, limited partner. Okay. And then you've got the guys that may be part of the syndication group that get a smaller portion of it because, because of however we structure it. But typically what we would do, David, is we would give our investor limited partners a 49% share of the asset. Okay? Okay. So that's the guys that put in the money. Right. So, you, you, so they're all, they put their $50,000 units into a one partnership. So I don't have 50 different partners in this group, but that partnership interest that they own owns 49% of the asset. Okay. So they are protected by ownership in the deal. Sure. Sure. Okay. So now what that does is it allows me to pass on 49 and a half percent of the depreciation to them. So which is a huge advantage to anybody that doesn't know about real estate investing, especially if you're dealing with single families like Mike and I, there's not a lot of cash flow there. So what's the play? Well, the play is to have somebody else pay down the debt and then also use the advantages that tax allows. Love that, Alvin. Love that. 100%. So in the first two years, there's not a lot of cash flow because right. we're buying these and re-renovating them. Right. 
But if we pay a million dollars for this deal and we spend two hundred thousand dollars on it, and you invested fifty thousand dollars and we raised three hundred thousand, so you get a pro rata share of all of this three hundred thousand dollars in year one that we have as a write off. Love so it. Not only are you getting a preferred return that we offered you anywhere from eight to ten percent, but now so you've made money that year. But you also, your tax base was reduced on your primary job by whatever your write-offs are. So you not only made a little money, you made more money because your taxes went down. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you so, have your, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. So you've got, so you've got your limited partner, which is our foundation, your special limited partner, which is the guy that put in the money, and, or I'm sorry, is your guys that syndicated it, mm -hmm. and then your investor limited partners that put in the money. Got it. The other 51% is owned by the 1% GP, and then you got your 50% owner, which is your uh, in your limited partner and your special limited partner. So they own 50%. Your investors own 49.5% of that. And then 1% to who? The general partner, which is the foundation. Okay. And the only reason it's there, it gives us control of the assets so that we can manage it and, and do the do tax matters and stuff like now that. Are all, now are all of them structured either that way or very very close to that way? Yes. Okay. Every cool. one of them. Sure. And you'll find that type of uh, arrangement. That's standard? Very standard. Okay. From your small guy to your institutional REITs and everything typically use right. limited partnerships. Now, I would assume, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here just because I'm excited, man. Thank you again for coming. Oh. This, this is like, I'm in a candy shop right now. This is great. So you're you're using leverage though on top of raising money. So these deals are no money out of your pocket essentially. Uh, can I say it? Yeah. None. None. Hell yeah, love it. And that's the beautiful thing, man. That's what we do with our rental portfolio as well. We're on the single family side, but you know this this is great because Mike and I both have the same mindset and goals. Like. Hey, we can get to 150. That'll just be a cool number. It gives us a lot of credibility, of course. We have a lot of fun doing it. We're great wow. friends. But once we get to 150, then what? I mean, we're, we're both pretty young. Um, you know, then what? And then it's like, well, then we're going to start doing, you know, these bigger deals. So I'm just super excited about this. So you're essentially, you're, you're raising capital from multiple people or syndications or both. Right. Um, and then you're using that as like your 20%, right? Roughly, I mean, maybe even 10% or I guess it depends on your lenders. But then you're going up on the back end and you're getting another 80 or 90%. Yes. So that is, so you've got, a, you've got a purchase price. And if you just went straight in as a purchase price, we might get 75 or 80% leverage, okay? So yeah. you need 20% down. So just, we're going to use simple math. Million dollar building, you know, Typically, you get a loan of eight hundred thousand. You're going to need two fifty, seventy-five percent, right? Yeah, that's a good number. That's just a standard, typical deal. Yes. Okay. And then you throw your rehab on top of that, so yeah. now you got three hundred thousand. Yeah. Most lenders will give you credit for that three hundred thousand and say your total costs are million three, and they'll give you seventy-five or eighty percent of that million three. Even if you only have to come up with the, do you have to come up with a, with the with the twenty-five percent of the million three then? So then you come up with 25% okay. of the million three versus 25% plus 300,000. Yeah, yeah, that's a big difference. That's a yep. big difference. Yep. So then, so we've got leverage there, non-recourse debt, and then you've got your syndication piece. Hold on, I got to stop you right there. Non-recourse I, I was waiting on you to catch yeah, Absolutely. I know what it is, but okay. I'm pretty confident that most people listening don't. Can you explain 
what yeah. that means? Non-recourse debt means that I have no personal liability to that deal. As long now, there's some bad boy carve-outs, and what are the bad boy carve-outs? As long as there's no fraud, there's no intent to defraud. As long as all the rents collected from that deal go to that deal, and I don't take them home, you know, as long as we do everything do with integrity, right. do it right. There's no personal guarantee. They're not going to ding my credit. They're not going to file a foreclosure on me if this deal goes sideways. None of that. So non-recourse, guys. Mike, do we have any non-recourse no. loans? No. So how are you getting non-recourse <laughs> loans on That's this? right. So what, what are you going to do to get into the non-recourse lending game? It's all, it's all based on the project. Okay. So the lenders feel- I'd imagine it's, pretty, it's, it's a lot more common with these bigger deals than the loan that I'm looking to get next week for 86000 right? Well, but you've also worked your way into a place where you've got credibility. You've done this time and time again. You'll get to a place where if you paid a little higher rate, you may not have any recourse, right? Or no personal liability. So it's just weighing the balances. Got it. Okay. So it's levers. You, you it's levers. Lever. Got it's it. Great. Okay. Um, if you go to a traditional bank, a bank's going to, they're going to hold recourse, but their rates are going to be less. Right. But if you go to a multifamily lender that's going to do along with Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, love it. Those deals they're typically non-recourse except for those bad boy carve outs. Do you ever do any FHAs on these big ones? I have. I just we did one um just completed it last year and it was it was an amazing deal. Yeah, so I got a buddy I'm going to I'd love to connect you with. You you obviously don't you don't have to use them, but I think it would be a good connection for you. Okay. About two hundred and fifty million dollars uh, being re being being worked at right now for mm -hmm. loans. He specializes in FHA. What I love, and this is, and I and I know enough to be dangerous. But what I love about what he does is they're all non recourse, as you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, but then additionally, uh, he he can offer a forty year term on these FHAs. I'm sure you're aware. Which is, I mean, for cash flow. Now that now obviously that's not necessarily. Uh, something that's going to be um, highly valued if you're trying to pay this off. But if you're looking for that cash flow play, I mean, that is a great product. Well, we use 35 and 40 year. So you're uh, familiar. I love yeah. it. Uh, Non-recourse. The rates on those deals, the last rate we got was 3.78. Man, that is super cheap. That's right. Really it's way less than what I'm paying on a single family loan with a commercial right. bank. I think the, the highest one we did, we did in January of this year, we did it with Fannie and it was about four, seven, something like that. It wasn't FHA, but it was Fannie Mae. It's yeah. And the only reason it's that long is because I did not do a floating rate. I did not do a fix for 10 years, 30 year amortization fix for 10. And then after 10, it balloons. I don't do any of that because I position these for long term. So are you setting these up to where they, they get their renewable versus balloon? Yes. Yeah. So I set them up to where there's straight amortization for 35, 40 okay. years. There's no balloon at all then? Nothing. How and about a rate, a rate? Is it a fixed rate the whole time? Fixed rate the whole time. Yeah. So you pay a premium on Ooh. that. Right, right. But at, at, at 478, the premium was a quarter basis points. You know, 0.25, no big deal. No big deal. Right. Yeah, no big deal at all. No big deal. Thing, so, but I will say this. It locks you in. That There's some lockout periods because they... Yeah, and they, we've tried to buy some some properties with, with some of these people that have had these lockout periods. Yes. Or lock-in, I guess you maybe call it. I don't know. Uh, but also... so And then also a quick question. 
Um, are there prepayment penalties? Because sometimes, again, it's a lever, right? If you, want a, if you want a longer term or a lower rate, you have to give something up. So That's I would right. imagine some of these may have that for like a five or 10 year period or something like that. Or That's no? exactly right. Most of them have, it's a yield maintenance. So if a guy's going to take $10 million or $2 million and loan it to you at three and a half, four percent 4%, he needs to know he's going to make some amount of money on his money for that. And period. not get refied out 18 months later. Exactly. Right. So they, they will put a five yield or a 10 year prepay. Word it. Okay. Yield maintenance is the word. Yeah. So oh, that, you are full of knowledge, man. Man, it's just, it's been trial and error. I didn't go to school for this. We bumped our heads so many times. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's why I don't have any hair left. <laughs> <laughs> you look great, man. You look great. But um, yeah, man, it's, 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 and I'm still learning every day. I use Absolutely. a I've been working on for, since for 10 years. And I got it from a guy that worked on it for 15 years. Cause every deal is different. Every time you do it, you're finding a new source of money. So you want to, Make this model work for that one. So we're 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 evolving. Either you're learning and growing, or you're dying. So I totally should, agree. We should, so, we should be on the upside. Let's do a recap because I got a couple more questions, and I don't want to go too long because we're going to lose some of our audience here. Okay. Um. But so essentially, you are finding the deals very similar to how we've taught in our free course, freewholesalecourse.com. Yep. You're leveraging brokers and agents, which is like, you know, I think is awesome because. These are the people that are getting contacted by these motivated sellers. So you got to build those relationships, which you've done. Um, you are buying properties that need work, right? You're, bu you're buying properties at a discount that allow you to value at. If, if, if you're not buying it at a discount, it probably doesn't work, I'd imagine. Sure. And with that being said, and not or, but and, if there's not a lot of value to add, it probably doesn't work either, right? It doesn't work for my strategy because yeah. our strategy is I, I have to be able to refinance these deals within 36, 48 months max to be able to get my investors a return. So if, if I don't have enough value to add through either repairs, renovations, upgrades, or raising the rents or both, then it's not the deal for me. I'm not parking money over here to clip coupons at you know 3% retain 100 percent. got it yeah that makes perfect sense so then what you're doing is then you're you're saying that you find the deal you have no money um set aside for that deal which is just like mike and i we always just go find it right uh, which is beautiful and i love that um and then you see so then you get your partners together you you structure it in a way that everybody benefits from yep. it allows you control which is awesome and i'm not a control freak so right but but somebody's got to control it. Somebody has to, because if no one's managing it, we all know what's going to happen with that. Um, so then let's 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 talk about um, the example earlier, right? So you got the forty-five days. You day one, you go view it. The next forty-four days or sooner, you go raise the capital, and then boom, you close. What the hell do you do next? So now now it's like, all right, I got a deal on a property. Grass is six feet high. Roofs are leaking. In that scenario, you know, I got an extra, I think it was 400 grand that I need, that I have raised and ready. Right. Plus I got a loan in place. So I'm basically have, I'm leveraged up, but it's, it's good. It's good debt because it's, it's, good debt. it's not a risky leverage. It's a good leverage. Right. But then what? Then you start fixing stuff and how does that work? First thing you do is introduce your team to the, to the community of the residents, put out you notices. Make it known that I'm the new owner. 
yes. and I want to help, or I, I'm, I'm not going to do what they did. Well, we don't ever know that. You know, there's two different sides, but yes, this is why we're here. We're the new owners of the property, and it's we're going to be going through some extensive renovations, whatever they are, and this is what you can look forward to over the next 12 months. And then I'm sure you probably do leapfrog too, right? Where you'll fix one and then somebody from the community will want it. It depends. So if it depends on the occupancy level. Okay. Sure. If you if you're at ninety eight percent, we ask them to bear with us because we're gonna come into your apartment and we're gonna cover all your stuff and we're gonna put it in the senator room and we're gonna paint it and texture it and fix all of that. Make we're gonna replace the AC units and then we're gonna move it from back room and then and then put your carpet and flooring in and you know, in about 10 to 12 days, depending on the time frame, you got your new apartment. And we oh, that, we stagger that based on the renewal dates. Got it. Most of these deals have 12-month leases. So we're going to start 90 days out. So this is, what, September, October, November, December. Everybody renewing in December, we're going to start on September 1. Why is that? We're going to give you them 60. Keep them, keep them, right? Well, we, we're going to let them know that in 60 days, your rent's going to go up after we finish. So it gives us 30 days to get it done. And then we're giving them 60 days notice that your rent's going to increase. Which is, in my, the way I see it, is you're giving them value in advance. Here, you're I, gonna, we're going to let you try the new product. That's it. And if you really want to move out over a $100, $150 rent increase, then that's fine. We'll get it from the next guy. That's right. But that, man, I've never heard of anybody doing it that way. And, I, and it's brilliant. I love that. Yeah. It costs too much to move them back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, if you got 50% occupancy, we start on the vacants first and bring that group in because that's where your immediate impact's going to be because you can right. take those to the max where you want to be versus the residents that you have to incrementally raise. Right. Okay. How long does it take? And obviously, if you're dealing with a 1,600 units versus 100, it's going to be different. But like, what do you shoot for? You shoot to have them all renovated in 18 to 24 months? or We shoot to have them all done. Say we got 100 units. Our goal is six to nine months done. And then oh, we'd like quick. to see after it is. I mean, these guys are in and out of an apartment. Well, you know how quick it can be done. Yeah. Worst, you know, you got a three bedroom apartment. It's just the inside walls. So we, the goal is to get in and get out of that unit in no less, no more than 10 days. In and out. Yeah. Two weeks working time. We need to speed up ours a little bit. Well, single family's a different animal. It's a different animal, right. Well, yeah. yeah you, you're I not, know. I'm just saying. I just, I'm excited here, guys. I'm well, excited. We, we hadn't touched the outside yet. So, right. just, so we start with the roofs and then we do that. Awesome. Uh, the AC guys are really quick. They can change a two-ton unit out in a half a day. So that's quick, in and out. And the goal is to have that 100 units done within nine months. And then we like for a nine-month stabilization. So if you've got a high occupancy, then after that nine months of renovations is, is done, you've got most of your people that have renewed within that period. They're all on new leases. And now you can stabilize those new rents for the next nine to 18 months. And in two years, we're ready to pull a trigger on a refinance. Okay. So that was my next question, man. I know you're busy and I'm sure you're Good. probably getting ready to, get, to chew your arm off here with, with lunch and whatnot. So I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so then, so yeah, so you're buying them, you're getting them distressed, you're, you're, you're getting them at a deal, you're fixing these up, um, you know, ideally in a year, and then you let it stabilize for, you know, a year roughly, a yes. little less. So at year, so like on the, on the second year, year two, you own these for two years, you're basically talking to your lenders at that point because you want to A, pay back all of the investors, That's correct. B, 
you're going to make money. So tell us how that works. I mean, this, okay. this if, if you're new to multifamily guys and, and you're listening to this, this is going to blow your mind. So the goal is actually to raise the rent, stabilize the rents. Most lenders only look for a T3. That means they're looking at the trailing three months of financial history. But you'll, and, you essentially not only have two years, but you have roughly nine months of good history. That's, so when you that's get key. nine months of good history, they're seeing the trend that has gone up where the rents have increased. And then when you get to a stabilization point, they want to see 90 days of stabilization. So all the rents are maxed out at 500 or 1,000 or whatever they are for 90 days. There's no in and out. So, you know, move somebody in just to get them on the books and then they move out. Sure. They watch that for 90 days. Once you're there, then we get an appraisal done. And that appraisal is done based off of the net operating income of all income minus expenses before debt service and taxes is your net operating income. And that number has increased substantially over the last two years because you have incrementally gone up on each of those renewals, 150 bucks a month. And two years later, you've increased your, your income by $15,000 a month on 100 units, that's $180,000 a year. So that property that you bought for that had a $100,000 NOI, right? You just increased it by 100%. Damn. By Damn. going up $180,000. Now you do the cap rate on that $280,000 divided by 0 0.065, and your value on that deal you paid a million dollars for is four point three million. <laughs> Holy cow, man, that's crazy! So one thing that I want to that I want to highlight, and Alvin, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I could very easily be wrong. But whenever you're having your appraisals done on a single family house, they're not typically using the income approach. They're basically looking at the comps in the area, and they're looking at the condition and the quality, and they're comparing that property to you know the neighbor's houses and ones in the vicinity but when you're dealing with multis obviously conditions going to have a factor in it yes but they're using a different approach they're using an income approach so you're forcing appreciation by allowing or by charging more in rent you know and at the same time you're offering a better product too so right. it's not like right. you're doing anything bad here but you're forcing appreciation by increasing these rents and it's very easy to have an equity play or an equity stake in a property six figures even seven figures by doing this whereas you know if when me and mike go to get an appraisal it's like if i put in granite versus you know, veneer or whatever home depot sells yeah the appraiser is going to be like it's nicer but he's not going to give me a 10 or 20 percent higher value that's correct Love so on, on the multi, they're using an income approach, but it also does factor in comps. So I can't have a property that is in the south side of the bottoms that's got that, that we just turned, raised the income up $180,000, right? So now we're at $280,000 NOI. They're not, they are going to look for comparable rentals. So what does the next property that's vintage 70 or 80s, whenever it was built, what are they written for? What are the size of the units? Um, so they're looking at like, kind, and quality as much as possible to show that, yeah, he's charging $500 rents. That's comparable with the property over here that's at $500 and not showing that this is a unicorn at $500 when everybody else is at $350.
So they do use that, but it's based off of the income more than anything. Hell yeah. I got a couple more questions and then we're going to wrap up, Alvin. And again, I really appreciate it. Mike's like, come on, Dave, let's yeah, stop we got to wrap it up. We, we got, I know. Uh, we lose our I got, listenership, I got two man. more. I got two <laughs> I more. So, Alvin, this, so this, is, this is why I'm so intrigued, this next question, okay. um, with multis. And, and the reason is is because, A, A, you're using none of your money, right? You're getting mm -hmm. the deal and you're, you're syndicating or you're, you're, you're getting money from investors. They're, they're in on the deal. They're getting a return. It's backed by real estate. So everything is very safe in my eyes. I mean, yes. I, don't, I don't lose sleep over this, and I'm sure you don't either, right? Um, but what the coolest part of all this is is, is you know, whenever you go to do this refi, you pay these people back and then you pull money out. Okay. So that's cool and all, but what's even cooler is that you don't have to pay taxes on that money. Because it's borrowed money. Because it's borrowed. So can you explain just a little bit of that and then we're going to wrap up? Well, I'm, I'm not going to get that far into that because I am not a tax guy. Okay. Sure. sure. And everybody's but you've done it. You, 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 you've, you've gotten money. So just tell us maybe, maybe give me an example then. Okay. So when, when, and it's, so if you were to take a deal and you sell it, right? So you, you got a hundred thousand dollars and you go sell this house and you made 20,000 on it because your debt was only 80,000. You got $20,000. They charge that as capital gains. Okay. On a refinance, if you refinance that property at $80,000 and you only have $50,000 debt, that $30,000 gap is not income. It's borrowed money. Because you owe it. So you're so when you pull it out, it increases what you owe, but it's not necessarily increasing the ratio of the value to the debt, right? I don't know. I don't maybe I worded that wrong. <laughs> but essentially you're pulling money out that you owe. It's not profit. It's not income. That's correct. That's it's tax not free money. It's not profit. It's not profit. Because right. you've got to pay it back. But you don't have anybody to pay right now. So you put that money in your pocket. And I'm not going to tell you what to do, how you report it on your tax. Sure. I'm not going to tell you that. But I have seen my partners take that money. And now you've got $30,000 that you can go and reinvest in another deal. In another right? deal. So you're taking money from here that you just made that is that you're not reporting on. It's not reported to anybody on a 1099 is not reported on a 1040 or on what do you get a check stub whatever that deal is mm -hmm. uh, you're not getting that you're not getting a 1099 for it uh you're going to get a bill for that because it's money from borrowed money so you got a mortgage to pay back but that money's sitting in your bank account what are you going to do with it right you, spend it. you got to do something with it so you need right. to invest it or absolutely absolutely alvin thank you so much for coming on the show the very first thing that we talked about was serving and I want to serve you. So you, tell us what, what you're looking for and where, and if you are an agent or a broker or even a property owner that might have something that Alvin's interested in, I want to connect you guys. All right. My mission here today is to learn, but also to serve. And I want to help Alvin grow his business as well. So Alvin, what are you looking for? What's the home run deals? And how would somebody reach out to you if they had it or knew of one? Okay. Um, hundred units minimum. Okay. Uh, ge geography. Let's look at, um, so you North live in Carolina. Dallas, ideally close, but you're open to, 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 to a deal basically. Not really focused on Texas at all. 
Okay. We're focused on North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, Illinois, Indiana. Okay. Those so you are got those, a lot of states then. Tunnel. Those are the states that we're focused on, and there's some tax advantages there for us. Mm-hmm. So as a 501c3, we don't pay property taxes in those states. So when you take $200,000 off of a deal that you're not paying out in property taxes, that increases that NOI, which is increases that cap rate, which allows me to pay my partners more money. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at 100 units. We'll look at anything starting at about a seven cap. I'll look at that. So 7% cap rate or higher, 7 to 10, 12. We love that. You shoot for nine and a half, you had said, though, but you'll look at the sevens or the eights. That's correct. But if it's a nine and a half. It's almost know, automatic. It's, it's, it, yeah, it qualifies to, 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 do the, to do more due diligence at that point. Right off the bat. Right yes. off the bat. Okay. So um, if there are the brokers or the agents or the people out there that, are, that, that might have a deal in the states you mentioned that meet that criteria. Maybe you have more criteria. How do they reach out to you? I don't want, um, I, you know, I want to try to do what I can to, to, to drive traffic your way to get you more deals. Thank you, David. I'll give you three ways to contact me. My email is alvin at 372hope.org. Alvin at 372hope.org. Uh, Facebook, Alvin Hope Johnson. Instagram, Alvin Hope Johnson. Uh, LinkedIn, Alvin Hope Johnson, Smoke Signal, Alvin Hope Johnson, <laughs> you name it, Alvin Hope Johnson. Carry your pigeon. Alvin, yeah, anything, however it gets here. Alvin okay. at 372hope.org or Alvin Hope Johnson on all your socials. And at this time, That's Alvin, it. you're not really doing, like, you're not offering a coaching program or a course. You said that you maybe were going to do it down the road. But I, I also want to kind of reiterate, guys, if you're new to this, you know, Alvin's a busy guy. He's a friend. He, he's not looking to, you know, get a hundred emails on, you know, how to do this. That's what the podcast is for. The reason that I wanted to give out right. his personal information is to help him grow his business. So please do, don't reach out to him, um, you know, to waste his time. He's not looking to do that today. Today he's looking for a deal. So if you come across a deal that meets his criteria, reach out. Alvin, anything you want to end with, man? Well, um, one more thing, and then, then I'll end it. Sure. Um, also, syndication, if anybody's interested in passively investing in real estate, where you can make anywhere from 8 to 30% return on investment, um, if you know anybody, have your lawyers contact me, have your investment guys contact me. I'll plug my people with your people, and we can get them together. And then lastly, but uh, David, Mike, thank you guys for the platform. Thank you for all you're doing for everybody that's just trying to figure it out. You have no idea how much knowledge means. So the stuff you guys are doing for free, giving it away, uh, your dreams are going to happen because of what you're doing for other people. Man. And Thank I just you. appreciate that. No, we appreciate you. Yeah, man. It was really nice to meet you here. Absolutely. Really some good content. I hope everybody's enjoying Absolutely. it. Absolutely. A couple of quick lessons to take away from this, guys. Consistent, persistent action. Okay. We all didn't know what we were doing when we started. So you got to get out there. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, and then again, if you're looking for information on wholesaling, Mike and I have a free course. It's, li- it's located at freewholesalecourse.com. The easiest name to remember. And then we just published a book a couple of months ago as well. It's a companion book to the course. Um, it's available on Amazon. You can find that by typing in either of our names 
or just searching for the ultimate guide to wholesaling real estate. Alvin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know I've learned a lot, tremendous amount of value for all of our listeners and viewers. Last words, Mike? Thank you so much, Alvin. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Hope to see you in Tulum, Mike. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be there, man. That's all right. All right. All right, guys, we're signing off. We'll see you next time. Welcome back to Season 2 of the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share with you what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. Make sure you never miss an episode and download the Discount Property Investor app in Google Play or iTunes today. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in.